Hey everybody, welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, a resource designed to help form substantive disciples out of the local church. My name is John Sikotowski. I'm one of your hosts here on the Engage and Equip podcast. And in this episode, our connections coordinator, Aaron Hesse, and our lead pastor, Nick Gibson, are going to talk a little bit more about the heart of ministry. This is coming out of Engage and Equip Live, which is a new monthly meeting that we're doing here at High Point Church. And the language in that is specifically talking about how we can know the heart and pursue the craft of ministry together. So today, Aaron and Nick are going to talk a little bit more about the heart. Take a listen. Hi, Nick. Hey, Aaron. Um, glad to be doing this podcast again with you. Yeah, I yeah realized, it's been a while. Yes, I realized I was very, very pregnant the last time that we did this, and that was a year ago. Yeah, that was a long... Has it been a year since you yes. did one of these with me? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So, grace upon grace. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be very fluid like it's been so far. Yes. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Engage and Equip stuff. Yes, yeah. So this past Monday was the first Engage and Equip live monthly training that we had with all of our volunteers. Um, We had had done a training two years ago, I think, which was just a Friday night and Saturday Mm -hmm. with all the volunteers. And over time, we thought it would be better to connect with our volunteers more regularly. So we decided a monthly schedule or I don't routine would be good. Yeah, so let's take this as an opportunity to invite all of you yes. listening <laughs> to engage and equip live, which is a monthly gathering on the second Monday of each month, mm-hmm. starting at 6 30. Mm-hmm. With dessert. With dessert going approximately just under two hours. Mm-hmm. And it'll be the first hour is going to be training in a large group and a little bit of getting together. So there'll be some dessert or some things like that. And then the second hour is specifically within the, the volunteer area you volunteer most in, where you are a reliable contributor, mm-hmm. and um, you learn the craft of ministry mm-hmm. and focus on that. So it's going to be monthly, second Monday of each month. And this first time we had just over 180 people, Yeah. Yep. which is pretty exciting. Yep. It was very fun. It was neat to see so many people in different areas come. And I think there were a number of people that came that wouldn't necessarily declare a ministry as mm-hmm. their main one, but they wanted mm-hmm. to check out what where maybe they would want to serve. And so if you are in that place where you're not serving and you think, I yeah, I want to learn what where I could maybe serve, this is still an opportunity for you to come and check things out. So yeah. So Nick, this last this first one that we did, you wanted to lay a good foundation of the importance of well, the importance of what the foundation is that you are basing your ministry on. So you talked about having the right heart for ministry, and then also the uh, developing the craft of mm-hmm. the ministry that you're doing specifically. So, yeah. yeah. Do you want to lay that out a little bit for us? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that's kind of the language we're using for Engage and Equip Live, that we want both of those things to be in place. So the, having the heart for ministry is to recognize that ministry is a very fundamentally human thing that engages with the presence of the person of God supernaturally, mm-hmm. but it's something that is done by humans to humans who are emotional, spiritual creatures. And it, so it's not, if you think of ministry as getting tasks done, it doesn't go very well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so in some ways you have to be like constantly getting it right with Jesus and then recognizing what it is you're doing. You're doing this very practical, normal, ordinary 
human interaction on behalf of Christ Mm -hmm. with others. And um, I think that's really important in a culture that tries to create um, bureaucracies and organizations and ministries and programs and these like very structured things because it's believed that if you do that, you can systematize stuff and then less stuff falls through the cracks, mm-hmm. right? And so that's better. Mm-hmm. And what it, But what it also does is it, it, it cleaves r- relational connectedness, yeah. which is a huge part of why things work with humans. And so it's one of the reasons we find a lot of social programs don't work at all. Mm-hmm. And even some of the ones that have the most money, the biggest bureaucracies, the most attention that have been going on the longest often have they don't have the positive effects we thought they would, and they have negative effects we didn't intend mm-hmm. because there isn't this relational connectedness with each other. Mm-hmm. And there's not a relational connectedness to some bigger um, gathering and organizing truth. Mm-hmm. And so our rela- so our relationship to each other is fundamental. But also, our, so I, but I wanted to start with our relationship with God, mm-hmm. with Christ. Right. So we'll get to that in just a minute. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about most mm-hmm. of the time, right? But the second thing is the craft of ministry, which is to say that... Um, we live in a world where it's assumed that you can't do anything unless you're an expert, mm-hmm. right? So you can't help anybody with a problem unless you're a counselor. You can't, you can't deal with a, um, a negotiation problem unless you're a lawyer, mm-hmm. right? You can't, you can't talk in front of people unless you're a professional speaker. Like there's all these kinds of things, right? Sure. And that's really dumb. Like it, that's really not the way the world works, mm-hmm. right? The most efficient creature on planet Earth is a mother. And she does like 170 different things, right? Mm-hmm. But she's there and she's committed. Mm-hmm. And she just, but, and she's getting better at all of them. Mm-hmm. And she wishes she could do them all better, but they just all have to be done. Right. And if somebody doesn't do them, it doesn't get done. And these helpless little humans need them done, right? Mm-hmm. And so we do all this stuff in a fairly mediocre way. And, and it turns out human beings don't go extinct, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not because of the government. It's because of moms right. and dads and families and so on, right? Mm-hmm. So... One of the things that churches have to recognize is that the church and the family are God's primary institutions Mm -hmm. and that those are fundamentally like practical people doing simple things that are the fundamental basis of healthy human life and healthy spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to tell people is, look, there's a lot of things that can be done better. Like moms can learn to cook better, right? But they might start with boiling hot dogs. Mm-hmm. but they could get to something a lot nicer than that, right? Mm-hmm. And you might start doing laundry and you may like pull out a white shirt that's now pink a few times right. or shrink a, you know, a sweater to like mm-hmm. a fraction of its former size. But like you get most of the clothes clean and over time maybe you do things that are helpful, but mm-hmm. dang it, you get the clothes clean yeah. and that's necessary. <laughs> so ministries like that we want people to say is, is that it's a little like woodworking. There's, you know, you know a little bit, you learn how to pound nails first, and then you learn how to saw straight. And then, you know, over time you get brought up by the people who've learned to build houses. Mm-hmm. And ministry has to be thought of that way. Otherwise, you never get started. And ministry, you learn the most by doing because mm-hmm. you're you're interacting with an enormously complex creature, a human being, and an infinitely complex God. Mm-hmm. But in very simple ways and certain. So we, we want yeah. people to do is to grow the heart of ministry, grow in the craft of ministry. And mm-hmm. if they do that... It'll be great. Yeah. Get a lot of ministry done. And we won't need a lot of experts doing stuff. Yeah. So that craft piece we'll talk about, I think, in our next podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, yeah, we want to focus um, on that heart piece today. And on Monday, you you had said, um, like an example is, you know, uh, the reality is you can't be an an ambassador for a country 
that you um, whose actions you don't actually believe in. And so we have to have this foundation that no matter if things get difficult or complicated or messy, that beyond all of that going on on the outside, that you're still your core foundation is built on something that is unwavering. And that is the heart of ministry. And so you, you know, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And that is what got at the heart of what it, the desire behind following him. And we have to ask ourselves that same question. Yeah, all the things mm-hmm. in ministry, it, it, they start to like hurt each other if they aren't ordered by the beauty and our love for Jesus mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. And so a good example of this, because the, the passage you're quoting from is John 21, where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me three mm-hmm. times? And he says, I love you. And he mm-hmm. says, well, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, right? And there's a point where he actually talks about the other disciples, and there were seven disciples in total that were in, that are in this story. And he says, look, um, I want you to follow me, right? They might, he doesn't say this, but he's, but he's saying, like, they might go back fishing. We don't, like, whatever anybody else does, I want you to do this. Yeah. You're going to follow me, yeah. aren't you, right? And because you love me, because you've said you love me, because... I need you to take care of my sheep and to feed my lambs. I want you to follow me, whatever else they do. Mm-hmm. And he and he com- contrasts this with the Apostle John, where like he's he, Peter and John are can have different faiths, and that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? So, and the result of that is is that if Peter gets his his heart in the right place with Christ, if he realizes he loves Jesus, therefore he's going to feed his sheep and take care of his lambs, mm-hmm. then the the other six, his relationship with the disciples is going to sort itself out. Mm-hmm. those disciples will follow him as he follows Jesus and they will write the book of Acts together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But if if they all feed off of each other, right, if they get their foundational commitments out of how each of them are feeling, they're probably just going to go fishing tomorrow mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And there is no book of Acts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so um, the number one most important thing over and over again every single day every Christian has to think about is how is my love for Jesus not as a work, but it's terms of like just how is it going? Do I appreciate him today? Like, mm-hmm. do I thinking about him today? Mm-hmm. Am I learning more about the Christ than I am mm-hmm. to love? Yeah. I think we have to be reminded too. Like, I mean, I, th- I would say High Point, I mean, you did say this on Monday as well. High Point is in a really healthy place right now that there are a lot of really good things that God is doing through leaders and through people who are new mm-hmm. coming here. And so when that happens, it can be really easy to ask ourselves that question, like, is my devotion really to the one true God, to, to Jesus Christ himself, or is it to the High Point mission statement and the ministries at High Point or a particular pastor? You know, we we get caught up in a lot of the, the good things that are happening and rather than, but those are the things that can and will crumble, especially, like you said, if we um, depend on those things rather than depending on what we need to depend on, which is Jesus and our love for him. Yeah, and it won't get you through any trials with any of those things. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're in your ministry and you just really enjoy your friends who are doing the ministry with you, mm-hmm. that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But there's a day is going to come when, like, you know, something gets difficult, mm-hmm. right? And if you know what roots you in ministry, which is you have a heart for, for Jesus, you love Jesus. And so that's why you're committed to these friends, and that's why you're committed to this ministry. And, yeah, it's fun usually. But when it's not, that doesn't make a bit of difference, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's kind of like if you can keep straight when you're fighting in your marriage, like if you can keep straight when you're fu- when you're arguing, mm-hmm. you really love your spouse, and they're your husband or your wife, 
right? And you just really love them. And you can keep that straight when you're arguing. Your argument goes an awful lot better than yeah. if you, like, think it's about the argument mm-hmm. because you think that your marriage is about whatever it is you're fighting about, yeah. that dynamic, and it's not, right? right? So with same thing, similarly, in, in ministry, like, you have to stay focused on the fact that it's Jesus you're serving. Mm-hmm. And if you can keep that straight, then you can enjoy 50 other things that are enjoyable about doing ministry and serving others. Mm-hmm. But when those any of those go sideways, by following Jesus, you can get them righted again. Mm-hmm. But if you're really doing it for the other things because you want to help other people or because you like your friends in the ministry or because whatever, this church has done a lot for you or something, yeah, that will crumble when you need it the most. Right. So Jesus answered, though, to Peter when... Well, when Jesus asked him, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord. Jesus' answer or response then was, well, then feed my sheep. Well, then mm-hmm. take care of my lambs. Yeah. How do you make sure that you don't step over that line into, okay, well, that's I'm supposed to do this duty of caring for the church or caring for the volunteers under me or my small group or whatever it is. Um, yeah, what does that look like? How do we do that well without losing our love for Jesus first? Yeah, I mean, if you minister to people simply on the basis of what they seem to need, like you'll kill yourself. You just can't do it, right? You have to, at some point you have to be like, okay, Jesus, these are your sheep, and there's things they need you, they need that I really can't give them. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is just the fatigue. If you get, if you like, if you're a very motivated person, and you forget about your heart for Jesus, and you do the ministry really diligently, you'll get tired and burnt out mm-hmm. and angry. Yeah. And if if you just do it because you like it, right, then when some of the thing goes wrong, you'll quit, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there there are these checks because things will go bad mm-hmm. relatively quickly. But if you can say, you can focus in terms of your fundamentals, like staying focused on your love for Jesus, mm-hmm. but then also like continually reminding yourself that like, these are not my sheep, these are Christ's sheep. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm a servant of Jesus for them, I'm not their servant. Yeah. Which is important too because like on one level they're when you serve people they're above you. And on another level you're not their servant, you're Jesus servant. Mm-hmm. So are you a slave? Yeah, yeah, you are. But you're not their slave. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you're, that's hard to distinguish. To you're remember you're that, Jesus yeah. servant, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes this whether you're a pastor or in ministry or or volunteering like mm-hmm. Um, people will start to treat you like you're their servant. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's helpful to know that, yeah, you are serving them. Yeah. But you aren't their servant. Right. And so you can tell them the truth. And so you can do what's always for their good, for their best, because your customer service rating is the most important thing. But mm-hmm. your faithfulness to your real master is. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that helps just to have that mental separation mm-hmm. to know that, like, they're Christ's sheep. This isn't my church, but I'm serving them. But I'm yeah. His servant. Yeah. So you've been you've been working in ministry for eight, 20 years. I don't know how many. It's years. getting it's getting. Okay. I mean, I've been in some kind of ministry for more than twenty okay. years. Okay. Was there a specific time where that you realized that that changing to be made, where maybe you were getting burnt out, or I can't remember the other option, or you, mm-hmm. the other or thing? I just want to quit. Because yeah. Just, like, yeah. Little... Where. You were like, okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all of a sudden in the mentality of being this person's servant or these people's servant rather than Jesus' servant and follower. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to, it's really easy to feel in ministry like it's a reflection on you. Because in a lot of ways, it really seems like it is, mm-hmm. right? Um, people say it is. You know, like when you're a pastor, people are like, oh, that sermon you preached yeah. is so, mm-hmm. so good, right? And you don't know what would have been preached in your place if you had been there, yeah. right? And so it feels, especially when things are going well, it feels like you're a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And then when things are going poorly, usually you can make good excuses for why, you know, for even like for all the good that you've done, mm-hmm. it's still all the, so much other bad has happened. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had moments like that where I've had to say, I'm not here to make them happy. I'm here to, to do what I believe God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And if I can make them happy, great. But that's not the point. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I mean, you, you when you preach, you get that experience kind of weekly, where mm-hmm. you're 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 trying to figure out what will what what they will enjoy hearing, and so they'll be open to it more naturally. But also, like, what do they need to hear because the Bible says this, and mm-hmm. because this is this is supposed to be Jesus' chance to speak, not just mine. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's really that's a tough. That's a tough feel. It's a thing to feel out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love to tell stories about conflict because when that I where I'm the good guy because it it's not always um, good for my soul yeah. or for other people's souls. Yeah. Because then you start to think of yourself as a cowboy who like wears the white hat, and oftentimes everybody's wearing gray hats. Like nobody's totally right, right. and you really just gotta <laughs> sort out yeah. some agreement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you. I think you were around last year where I was like, okay, I've decided to stop caring whether this church grows. Mm-hmm. And that was partly for me being tired, mm-hmm. but it's partly because I felt like I was working, I was focusing on the wrong things mm-hmm. with my time yeah. because I was doing the stuff that the staff, even the staff wanted me to do rather than what I thought would be most effective for the Jesus flock. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been working on that for, since my sabbatical really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Um, something else you mentioned on Monday was that, um, well, like as a church, when we decide, or well, I guess as individuals, we can say in our own minds, okay, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus and love him wholeheartedly and serve him um, in whatever way that I can and with the gifts and strengths that he's giving me. Um, however, when we all get in a room together or like we gather on Sunday morning, um, if we individually forget I guess, or corporately forget what our, who our true love is. There's an implicit agreement that can happen, um, which is we're all going to kind of give a little bit or do a little bit of less serving over time and just kind of relax a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And, or we can choose to continue pushing one another and right. Right. To, to help or yeah, to continue growing towards him. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So like, and I was talking about this in relationship to these seven disciples. So, right. Mm-hmm. So there's these seven disciples and Jesus has appeared to them twice at this point, resurrected, mm-hmm. but they haven't received the great commission yet. And so it's not entirely clear what it is they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And Peter's actually not in a very good emotional place because he's seen Jesus alive, but Jesus hasn't addressed his denial of him yet. And so he doesn't really know what's up with all that. Mm-hmm. So he goes, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. Why not? Mm-hmm. Right. And so they've gone up to Galilee at this point. And so they go out fishing and they don't catch anything. They've been out all night and um, and they come back and then they bump into Jesus. And so 
Um, and so Jesus doesn't really call all seven of them out. He calls Peter out. And he says, this is what I want you to do. And do you love me? Mm-hmm. And are you going to take care of my sheep? And whatever else these guys do, it doesn't make any difference, but you need to follow me, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the idea there is is that um, if the seven of them had just kind of like socialized each other, mm-hmm. right? Like they just kind of inter- were interacting with each other. It, it's it's clear what the, what the result would be. They would go fishing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they wouldn't fulfill the Great Commission, which they hadn't even received yet, right? But, like, somebody had to be connected enough to Jesus and to, and to love Jesus enough and to have their heart placed in full devotion to him mm-hmm. and to really know what it is Jesus wants from them, mm-hmm. right? Because Jesus is saying, I don't want you fishing, and I don't, I don't want you doing this with the guys. I want, you to, I want you to take care of my sheep. There's only 120 of them right now, but I need you to get them together. I need to, I need him locked and loaded for Pentecost. You've only got ten days, mm-hmm. okay? Like, I need you to do something right now. Mm-hmm. So by the time Pentecost comes, so I, this I don't know if that's I mean the fortieth day is Jesus' ascension, right? And so mm-hmm. then ten only ten days later is Pentecost, right? Mm-hmm. It's the fiftieth day, yeah. Penta, right? So this is not a long time period mm-hmm. where where Peter has to get everybody back together yeah. again, and they're in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So when that happens. The other two things don't happen. So if you've got mm-hmm. a bunch of people who have a very strong sense of responsibility, they're like, we're going to do this ministry stuff and we're going to lead a thousand people to Christ and this church is going to be amazing. And they like all work super hard and they get really task oriented and they get really like results oriented mm-hmm. um, in a way where Jesus and their love for Jesus isn't the center. Yeah. Then they'll all burn each other out. Mm-hmm. And nobody will say, look, I love, I love Jesus and I think he wants me to do this. And I don't think he wants us to do what we're doing. Right. Similarly, if you don't have that, then there is this like everybody is lowering the standards. They're mm-hmm. saying like, oh, right. Well, this is what Oh, you go to church twice a month. Well, I, that's reasonable. Right. Yeah. I'll go to church twice a month. And like, mm-hmm. oh, you you only volunteer like every other month. That sounds I mean, that sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there isn't any passion to drive forward mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Right. And because you have like idolatry both ways, you either have the idolatry of leisure and comfort, or you have the idolatry of affirmation and power and achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And neither of those are supposed to drive things. What's supposed to drive things is a love for Jesus mm-hmm. and a love for the things he loves mm-hmm. and a willingness to love those things more than anything else. Yeah. So to quote the passage, do you love me more than these? Yeah. Whatever these is, whether mm-hmm. it's the other disciples or whether it's the all the things for fishing or mm-hmm. that whole lifestyle. Yeah. Do you love me more than all that stuff? And and Peter had to sort that out mm-hmm. and then decide he's going to follow Jesus and then figure out exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. And so people who are like that, if you can be like that, then in your department, right, people people will feed off of that. Mm-hmm. They'll know how much to do. The standards will rise, but they won't be workaholic standards. Right. And and also the spirit of the thing will be good. Because if, if you're workaholics, right, Everything turns kind of task focused, and people become kind of commodities, and everybody mm-hmm. feels that. Mm-hmm. And no, that's not what people want. Yeah. And so, by focusing on a person, it helps your ministry stay more personable. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps it more human. Yeah. By focusing on God. Yeah. Of those two, like sides of the line, like where we don't—I mean, we don't—we want to walk the line, and not not mm-hmm. actually fall into either one of those camps. Um. Right now, where do you see High Point as, like, we need to be wary, or not wary, but, like, aware of falling into this camp 
Like, because it's good to... Mm-hmm. It just know. depends on the person, Aaron. So, like, there are whole swaths of people at High Point that, like, they're kicking butt at life out there right now. Like, they're building their career and they're doing this and they're doing mm-hmm. that. And they just, like, so they're just not going to do much for church mm-hmm. or the kingdom of God. Like, that's not what they're doing right mm-hmm. now. And then there's other people that are working really hard and they want to do great things. Mm-hmm. And for all those people, my my answer to them is not, you should you should care about your career less and be at church more, or um, you should work hard. Just make sure you don't get burned out. Right. My my response to them is: you need to keep coming back to the question of Jesus, mm-hmm. and do you love Him, mm-hmm. and is the work you're doing, are you loving Him more, mm-hmm. or are you growing emotionally flatlined and cold, mm-hmm. and do you love the people you're ministering to less? Because there's people that they do ministry and they don't feel anything for the people they're ministering to. Yeah. Because they're either they just they're not thinking in terms of who it is they're ministering to, or they're just so emotionally flatlined from the lifestyle that they're living that has no rest in it. Mm-hmm. They just can't feel a thing, right. you know. And people pick up on that and they realize that you're not really loving them. You're just doing the stuff. Yeah. Yep. You know. Yeah. Um, there are three um, kind of like okay, well, what do you do mm-hmm. to to try to make sure that you don't fall into either camp depending on the person and um those were the practice of devotion experimental obedience and believing the gospel those are the three things that you mentioned at the end of monday night where um we need to make sure that we're participating in those things or coming back to those things um right so yeah for myself like when like the practice of devotion piece well like just that word devotion is just not used very much anymore like Mm -hmm. you mentioned uh, is it university? That's who uses devotions as the term for being in the word. University usually says quiet times. Oh, they okay. Crew says devotions. Or, I don't know what crew says. Okay. Well, someone says devotions. Yeah, <laughs> I was taught. I learned devote the word devotions when I was fairly young. Okay. Yeah, but like I hear, I hear quiet time a lot, mm-hmm. which I don't, I don't really like that. Like I get the idea mm-hmm. that yeah. like life is loud. Yeah, yeah. And you have to create a quiet space. Yeah. And in that quiet time, you can. Yeah. Work with God. Yeah, I've heard solo time as well, which also doesn't... I mean, you're not mm-hmm. alone, alone either when you're right. getting... Yeah. Right. But the but the word devotion, it struck me because um, I was talking with Jason yesterday about this, that like a lot of times when I have tried to read... like I'm like, I need to read my Bible. I need to pray more, mm-hmm. keep a prayer journal. There's It's like because it's a discipline, it's something that I need to do to so that I will know... Jesus better and just remembering that no the the reason why I want to do these things is to cultivate devotion not discipline for him I, I need to be disciplined in mm-hmm. in certain I mean we've done podcasts and sermons and lots of discussion about embracing discipline and how to do that well but what needs to go hand in hand with that is the devotion that we mm-hmm. that we develop for him so that really was good for me. Yeah, people don't like to think about a discipline that builds devotion because devotion tends to be an emotional, is an emotional Mm -hmm. word. And so Mm -hmm. people, especially modern people, don't like the idea that like you have to do certain things to feel certain things Mm -hmm. because they want their feelings to be natural and free. Yeah, I don't want to have to try to make it happen. Yeah. Right, right. And so like, and then you get couples that have a lot of trouble like after they get married and you're kind of like, no, 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 you have to schedule romance. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's not even possible. That's not in the movies. They just right. it just happens, yeah. Right, but like 
but then what people often find is like if they schedule like a date night and they they like get out and they talk and like they dress up a little bit mm-hmm. like they do these like disciplines of romance then it it produces romance mm-hmm. they like they let, unless you just get in a big fight because it's your first time to talk to each other all week right but um but couples that like try to do that what they usually find is that there's there's positive outcomes to that mm-hmm. and there's but yeah so the purpose so reading your bible and having that is a discipline but that you always have to stay focused on the why the purpose right. of that discipline is to build a devotion mm-hmm. just like the purpose of going on out on a date night is not to go out on a date the purpose of the date is to find yourself in love mm-hmm. right yeah it's not just to be like i'm gonna get some of those rice noodles that i really like <laughs> like you're trying to produce something yeah. in your marriage and this discipline tends to do that mm-hmm. right and so because of that it's important to recognize that there is not a certain specific prescription for devotion, devotional practices in the Bible. And I think that's important to recognize yeah. because some people think that the Bible says you're supposed to read the Bible every day. And there's other people that think they don't have to read the Bible every day and pray if the Bible doesn't say they have to. Mm-hmm. And both of those are bad approaches, right? right? The idea is, is that what builds devotion mm-hmm. and reading the Bible and praying, if you do it to know Christ and to learn more about him and to relate to him and to and to start your day with the right perspective or to end your day with the right perspective, whatever. Mm-hmm. Most people find it very helpful and they find it increases their devotion. Mm-hmm. Do you have any recommendations for people? Like if, if they're in this spot where they're like, okay, I feel like I just opened my Bible and I don't really know how to read with that lens. Mm-hmm. What are some either good practices or questions to ask themselves or resources outside of just questions that you would ask yourself? Yeah, okay, so I'm going to, time for true confessions. Like, honest to goodness, one of the things that breaks my heart is how poorly attended our classes are mm-hmm. at High Point, our Sunday classes. Mm-hmm. The classes are, tend to be fairly high quality, and a, a number of them are learning how to read the Bible for yourself classes. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to people who are intimidated by the Bible to, like, do that. Mm-hmm. Because it's amazing um, if you learn how to read the, just how to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much you'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I find personally that it took me about... I So I read two books when I was 19. One of them was mostly useless. So I, I really just read one book okay. about how to read the Bible. It was a book by Gordon mm-hmm. Fee, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's at about the first year college level. And there are easier ones to read than that. When okay. people come to my office, I give them a book called um, Getting the Message by Daniel Doriani. Okay. Right? Like a high school... I've given it to high school sophomores and they could read it. Like, okay. it's not super hard, right? Yeah. But it just kind of tells you, like, how to read the Bible, mm-hmm. how to understand it, like, how how ancient writing works mm-hmm. and so on, right? Yeah. And um, it transforms what you see. You just see all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. you never saw before. And then you find that the Bible is not actually that hard a book to get. Yeah, it's a hard book in certain ways. And certain texts are more difficult sure. than others and all that. And you'll read along if you read 50 pages of the Bible there will be maybe 10 passages you'll be like, I wonder what that really means, mm-hmm. right? But most of the rest of it, you'll know what it means, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll do something in your mm-hmm. in your heart. So I think that I also think that for some people, just reading the Bible out loud instead of reading it in their heads mm, that's good. can make a big difference. Yeah. Other people I know listen to it in audio mm-hmm. without anything else going on, mm-hmm. and that's helpful um, some people like they'll have like a 10 minute devotional thing where they just read a very little bit of the Bible and think about it. Mm-hmm. But on like Friday or Saturday, they'll take a couple hours and they'll read 15 pages of the Bible. Sure. Right. And I, there's lots of different ways to do it, but mm-hmm. 
um, but doing something right. is very helpful. Yeah, and like you said, recognizing that there's not, the Bible doesn't prescribe a way that you need to read it or right. or what it should look like every day. That and it could and it depends on your season of life that you're in. I mean, mm-hmm. I can say having a one year old, I'm not able to spend the type of time or the amount of time reading the Word that I could mm-hmm. before him. But I'm finding okay, that doesn't mean that I should give up completely or that I'm doing it wrong if it wasn't the way it looked before but it it can change depending Mm. on yeah what your life looks like too i think for parents of especially mommies of very small children reading your bible out loud Mm. to your child for you (laughs) yeah because like you want it you want your kid to interact with as many spoken words as possible Mm -hmm. so that they begin to like decipher the meaning of sounds yeah um and so they're learning how to be a human being while you're learning how to be a human being Mm. Right, but just on different levels, right. hopefully. But like in terms of growing a devotion, so so doing a devotional time mm-hmm. is just one thing. Right. And so public worship is another really big thing. Yep. Was this in your experimental obedience piece that you talked about worship? I don't think no? so. I think I talked about it in this one. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, and okay, I think right. yeah. I think one of the keys for both prayer and singing and worship mm-hmm. is breaking through the invisible wall of inhibition right and i and that's why i think in certain charismatic circles where there's like more expressive worship people raise their hands or they do different kinds of physical actions Mm -hmm. i think sometimes those can be helpful because posture helps you break through Mm -hmm. barriers of inhibition and so i think getting to where you sing out you may do some kind of posture thing that breaks through whatever whatever is in you that says I don't totally believe this, mm-hmm. right? You need to break through that wall of inhibition yeah. because it's emo- it's mostly emotional. Mm-hmm. And one of the main, that's how, why we don't believe. Like we like to believe it's all these reasons, but for most people, it really isn't that. It's the fact that we've been in the world and we just we've been believing less all week, yeah. and we, these inhibitions of, of self protection have built themselves in. And worship is an opportunity to break those off of us, mm-hmm. and they're brittle and they'll shatter if we'll reach out to the warmth of the beauty of Christ. Yeah. And that's why worship, that's why we use art, mm-hmm. right? We wouldn't use, we use art with truth, mm-hmm. right? So gr- grace and truth mm-hmm. or beauty and truth. And th- the reason why we do that, the reason why God, I think, demands that we sing songs to him is so because the presence of both beauty and truth helps us be drawn out of our inhibitions mm-hmm. of believing in him. And that builds devotion. Yeah. And I think that the key is, is that and then Christian fellowship, I said, too, does yeah. that. And th- yep. those three things are three, like, kind of minimums. Mm-hmm. That if you do those, those will help make sure that you're, elegant like it says in Romans 12, never lacking in zeal, mm-hmm. but keeping up your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Right. Yeah. I, we've been practicing that through sharing stories, mm-hmm. even you know, on Sunday mornings. And I think that's been really great that it's not... It's a great example of fellowship. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. that it's, we're not just sharing to pat... Well, we're not sharing to pat ourselves on the back or to say, look what God's doing in my life, but to we become very like blinded to what it is that God is doing. And so if we don't recall it or look for it and yeah, and recount it to somebody else, these moments can often pass and we just, yeah, Yeah. there are opportunities missed for worship. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm glad we've been doing that too. Um, you, so experimental obedience, I, yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Um, yeah. 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 So I I wrote about this in the, in the book blueprint Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but the passage I'd like to use for this is in John 7, where Jesus says, um, if you want to know if I'm from God, do what I say. 
and then you'll know if I'm from, if I'm from God or not, which is essentially an experimental mm. like spirituality. Mm-hmm. And what and now that there's certain ways in which that isn't true, and but there's certain ways the ways Jesus meant it, it's very true, which is to say this that God's ways aren't your ways. Mm-hmm. And I saw the title of a book today that said the title was God ways aren't you, God's ways are not your ways and the subtitle is something like why you shouldn't follow your heart. Mm. <laughs> and the idea was is that like it's true that what's in your heart to do oftentimes is not what God's revealed will is. Mm-hmm. And so you should do God's revealed will. Mm-hmm. And when you do God's revealed will, you learn things. Mm-hmm. You learn your what your real motivations were. Yeah. You learn what un, what stupid consequences your desires would have created. Mm-hmm. You learn all the other positive effects that doing what's right according to God's will produces mm-hmm. that you would not have predicted beforehand. Mm-hmm. You re, you know and you realize that you've grown stronger and braver in taking this action and that you actually your mind had overblown the negative things that would happen to you and mm-hmm. that fear had been clouding your judgment even though you thought you'd been thinking very clearly. I mean just like you learn so much, mm-hmm. right? And you don't learn any of that if you just do what you want. Yeah. And and then you realize that there's something incredibly expansive and and wholesome and beautiful and pure in obeying Jesus and then you go, "Oh, that's probably because he's God." <laughs> Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. and so that's what he means. I think that's what Jesus means yeah. when he says, "Do what I say, and then you'll know if I'm from mm-hmm. God." Right, mm-hmm. and so um, obedience is itself a devotion builder. Mm-hmm. Like if you obey God, and and then, but it's not just that you have to obey God with faith. Mm-hmm. And then, what faith means in this context, besides just doing the right thing, is keeping your eyes open to see mm-hmm. what God does in it. Mm-hmm. Yep, and to be ready to learn God's wisdom and God's truth. And when that happens, you learn a ton. You go, oh my gosh, that was right. Yeah. And there's joy and there's increased knowledge and there's increased wisdom and that builds devotion. Mm-hmm. And it builds devotion incredibly powerfully. Just obeying Jesus day in and day out with eyes open with faith yeah. rather than begrudging. Because a lot of Christians right. will be like, well, I'll do it. But it's kind of begrudging. And what that does is like it 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 blinds you mm-hmm to all the things that God is doing. Mm-hmm. And so you don't see them. And so you obey, but you don't get any of the joy from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And you don't get any of the wisdom from it. Right. And then it just demotivates you for the next time instead of building devotion, mm-hmm. which motivates you enormously for you. I mean, honestly, if you do it with devotion, you get the point, you're like, when can I do this again? Mm-hmm. When can I obey Jesus against mm-hmm. my better judgment again? <laughs> right. <laughs> because this was so enriching. Yeah, yep. Even more, yeah, than it would have been if you were in obedience or like if you were deciding to obey and excited about it. I mean, there is something mm-hmm. that when you take that step, when you, some part of you feels like you don't want to, or, or there's, yeah, you're fearful. There's a, mm-hmm. that's a. You're like, there's no way this is going to work. Right. There's so yeah. many times where Jesus is like, this is what you're doing. You're like, there's no way this mm-hmm. is going to work. Mm-hmm. And then you go, you're like, okay. But then God's kind of like, there's this kind of like pregnant silence of, I don't care if you think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it or not? Mm-hmm. That's really the question. And yeah. you're like, okay. I love Jesus, so yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And you do it, and then, like, you, just, like, all kinds of crazy stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that it was, like, it was bound to happen. Mm-hmm. You were just blind. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that your judgment wasn't very good. Then it's embarrassing, but then it's also enriching. And then you're like, that was, I can't believe I thought that way. Yeah. And then, like, before you know it, God will give you an opportunity to share that with somebody else. I was just going to think that. And then it's really, comp- you are compelled to then tell other people about it. And a lot of times, you know, the Lord orchestrates it so that you're telling someone who, yes, it, there's there's a parallel in what's going on in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, that's I've seen that happen so many times. And 
been on both the giving and receiving end of that. And it's, yeah. it's like oh. you just, yeah. A lot of the things that people say, oh, Nick always says this, like the most helpful things I've ever said, that it's like lore that like, oh, Nick always says this. Almost all of them are from this. Hmm. They're from hmm. like me studying the Bible and seeing something Jesus was telling me to do. I didn't want to do it. And then I was like, okay, you know, kind of brace yourself and grit yeah. your teeth, but keep your eyes open, mm-hmm. you know, and do it. And then you see what happens and you're like, oh, God is so wise. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you tell people because you learn so much. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that one is so big yeah. and you can prepare yourself to do that by doing these other acts of devotion. Mm-hmm. You worship well, you read that, read your Bible and you pray with devotion mm-hmm. to Jesus and like you sing with all your heart and you get in fellowship with another and hear other people's stories of obeying God. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go obey God. And then you go do that. And then that increases your devotion. Yeah. And then you're really get somewhere. Yeah. Yep. The, the last practice that you talked about was, well, just simply believing, not simply, but believing the gospel and mm-hmm. um, recognizing the, the tendency that we have to believe something that is not the gospel. And so what are those... Uh, where do we tend to lean? I think you mentioned this, either moralism or therapy, when, when we're not believing yeah. the actual true gospel. Yeah, I've, we haven't talked about this a long time. That's great. great. Yeah, yeah. So, right, when you don't believe the gospel, you tend to fall either into moralism, which is like, if, I, if I'm good enough, then my life should go well. Mm-hmm. Or the religious version, if I do enough, God should make my life go well. Mm-hmm. Right, and they'll just use the word blessing for that. Mm-hmm. And then therapy is like, I don't have to do anything. God should just make my life good. Mm-hmm. And what the gospel says is something different, that like everything we need, God gives freely by grace, and we have to just receive it. And then out of that, we can live by thankfulness and joy. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're not living in that place, that place of the gospel, you're going to fall in either into therapy or moralism, and your heart is going to decline mm-hmm. into dishonesty, hatred, fear, the acts of the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to be, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> you're yeah. going to be kind of miserable, and it's very demotivating, and it 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 lessens devotion. You won't have spiritual fervor to serve the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if you every time you come back to the gospel and you believe that, like, you're going to go out today and you're going to perform free because you don't have anything to lose, mm-hmm. right? All you have to do is to gain and to enjoy and to be thankful. Yeah. And so all that pressure comes off of you and there's peace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because Jesus has forgiven you and God doesn't hate you. You deserve God's hatred, but God doesn't hate you because of Christ. Mm-hmm. And instead, his love is on you. Like, you don't really have to hate anybody. And you don't have to live in in the benefits of hatred. Like, hatred is very useful because mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you're okay. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't know the gospel, if, you, if there's nothing else that makes you okay, you'll cling to hatred. Mm-hmm. But when the gospel comes in and, like, you're okay. Like, God loves you. And... He's released your guilt and you're free in his forgiveness and like you can forgive others and you don't have to hate anybody and like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, that's really freeing and you can let go of hatred and that's enormously helpful. And so like just the process of believing the gospel is freeing and motivating. It brings peace and joy mm-hmm. and it resets the heart and the mind and it, and it does it in a way that's very beautiful and very mm-hmm. joyful. And like if you do that, it'll build your devotion. Mm-hmm. It'll always build your devotion. Yeah. So, um, uh, like of these three practices, the, mm-hmm. I mean, the practice of devotion itself and, and the practices within that, like the worship and mm-hmm. reading the Bible, um, sharing stories that, um, exper- experimental, ex- experimental obedience mm-hmm. and then believing the gospel of those three, Nick, which of those is, has been the most impactful for you 
in developing your love for Jesus? Oh gosh, I don't know if I could possibly answer that. I don't know that I, let me, let me answer that question this way. I don't know if I could be, if I would be in a place, anything like I'm in today without all three of them. And um, you probably remember this from the back of the blueprint book cover where I'm like, you can't go to church and learn seven new things to do every week Mm -hmm. because it's like seven times 52 weeks a year times 20 years. And it's like 9,000 things. I'm like, (laughs) you can't do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm always really careful to like say, not keep giving people more stuff to do. Mm -hmm. You have to, you can give people a different way to do the same thing. You can like, but you can't keep telling them to do more. And so um, I'm, part of the reason why I share those three things is like believing the gospel is something you can be doing in your head when anything else is going on. Mm-hmm. It's something you can be reminding yeah. of yourself throughout the day. It's a, it's a mental discipline. It doesn't mm-hmm. take time. Um, obedience to the step in step with the spirit. You just do that while you're living, mm-hmm. just while you're doing whatever you do, you just obey God, keeping in step with the spirit with eyes of faith. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't take literally, that doesn't take one second right. of extra time. Right. <laughs> right. That tells you actually helps you know what to do with your time. Yeah. Right. And then devotions and acts of devotion. Some of those should already be built into a healthy life. Mm-hmm. If a life that belongs to Jesus doesn't forsake the fellowship of the brothers and sisters of Christ, and it engages in worship. Mm-hmm. Like you got to fit those in. Mm-hmm. And then, so so the the one the one main thing is I think that you should try to incorporate in your life is to read the Bible mm-hmm. and to pray and to spend some time in private worship. Mm-hmm. And um, so. That is one of only a couple of practices mm-hmm. I think people should try to insert in their lives. And the times when I grew the most in my life were the times when I've been the most consistent mm-hmm. in private, taking time for private worship. In college, when I was a freshman, it was an hour every day. Mm-hmm. And that didn't include prayer time at night with other Christians, which mm-hmm. was sometimes as much as two hours. But I would just, from 12 to 1, I would read my Bible for in about... The morning? No, no, this was, no, this is the middle of the day. Okay. okay. So... Um, because most of my dorm would clear out for lunch. Mm. So it was the quietest time of the day. Mm-hmm. And so from 12 to 1, people would come into my dorm room, and I would just point at the clock. And they, that's all I had to do. They knew. Mm. They were like, oh, I forgot. This is what you do. You're mm-hmm. doing your God stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I would read the Bible for like 25 minutes, right? I had a little journal. I would write down what I thought I had learned. And then I would pray for about 15 minutes. Cool. Different, some different yeah. stuff. Stuff yeah. I thought God wanted me to do that day. And things I was hoping I would see him do. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. And by the end of one year, almost people were asking me questions and I would just say, well, the Bible says this. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, cause I knew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been able to do that before that year. Mm-hmm. And that was just one year. Yeah. And that's never, of course, never changed. Yeah. So, so I would say you need to do all three things, but two of them don't take any more time. Mm-hmm. But by incorporating the some practices of devotion, yeah. pick two or three practices of devotion and work them into your life, mm-hmm. and then have a couple practices of devotion you do periodically, like mm-hmm. every three weeks you take three hours on a Saturday mm-hmm. to read the Bible, yeah. or a fasting is a good one yeah. for that. Like every month you take a couple days where you fast mm-hmm. and you spend some of that time praying. Yeah. Um, but the, there are some things like I don't I don't normally encourage people to like fast every single week. Sure. Or every day, sure. right? But I would encourage people, if they can, to read a little bit of the Bible every day, even if it's two minutes. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Great. You mean two minutes is like, that's 120 seconds, right? You Like an, an average book, you mm-hmm. could read two pages. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a lot of text. That's like mm-hmm. 500 words. Mm-hmm. I mean, if every word in the Bible is from the mouth of God, that's a whole lot of God mm-hmm. talking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So in theory, I, I mean, I, I know people who can read the Bible for 20 seconds, 
but they pay attention for those 20 right. seconds. Yeah. You can read a paragraph and you're, and dang it, in most places, if you read a gospel or an epistle, man, you're going to, something's going to hit you mm-hmm. if you have eyes to mm-hmm. pay attention. So it's not really an issue of time. It's partly an issue of discipline, mm-hmm. but it's a discipline that will help you build devotion. Mm-hmm. That's good. Great. Thanks, Nick. Um, yeah, next time we'll talk about a little bit more about the actual craft of the ministry yes. that we yeah, build off of this heart of devotion um, to Jesus and our love for him. Yeah, yeah. So let's end with this. Yeah. I want to invite you to engage in Equip Live <laughs> on the second Monday of each month. Yes. We're going to do everything that we can as a staff team to make it killer, all killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. We, we feel like you're going to get encouraged in heart. Mm-hmm. Your heart's going to get drawn to Jesus and him at the center of all acts of service and ministry, and that you'll grow in your craft of ministry. Mm-hmm. You'll learn how to do ministry to real people for the real Christ better in the work of in power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, guys.